Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is truckload pricing dynamics with my friend john payne how's it going john it's great really excited humbled to be on here well thank you so much so john please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today yeah absolutely i'm calling from new york city that's where i'm based out of Uh, i've lived here for five years now but yeah like you said name is john payne and i work with loadsmart and have for the past about three and a half years so what do you do over at loadsmart yeah, I've actually been in the same position since I started. My my official title is Director of Pricing and Analytics, or I think it's Pricing Strategy and Analytics is what the team is called. I, I should know that a bit a bit tighter. But <laughs> we get it. Yeah, yeah. When I started as a quick background of like the role and how it came to be, but when I started, I actually reported up directly to Felipe Capella, our, our current CEO and a co-founder with Ricardo. And the idea of this team, it was a team of too. It was, it was, I was going to report up to a woman who actually had a similar background to me. She had a big finance background. I actually coincidentally went to the same school I did. And she was in finance, I think for like seven, eight years doing, you know, investment banking, hedge fund, private equity, you know, not really freight brokerage or freight industry logistics type uh, work or even tech company. But so she joined back in April, 2019. And I was, I was going to join her on my first week, she had just submitted her like two week notice. And I, I had just transitioned over from the finance industry, you know, so I was kind of taking a leap of faith into a tech startup world. And so that was a bit of a wake up call and a very interesting first couple months. Did you get a promotion, promotion in your first day, huh? You know, not technically. <laughs> I, I was trying, I tried to be patient until I created some value, but yeah, I, I, apparently a lot of the company thought I was going to quit within month one. Because it was just an interesting time, as you can imagine. So LoadSmart is now based in Chicago, but when it started, it was in New York, right? Yes. Yeah. So I joined when our headquarters were in Manhattan, and I think we had officially maybe two offices in Manhattan, maybe three if you count like Ricardo's living room. But I was in the the third spot, which was still very, very startup-y. I think we were 95, 100 employees, had some in Chicago and had some in New York maybe one or two in Phoenix and, you know, some remote employees. So yeah, I started back when we were in New York. And like I said, yeah, it's... You've rode the wave because you guys are, you guys are a big company now. You're a unicorn. One of, one of, one of the freight world's big unicorns. And yeah, um, yeah you've, you've rode the wave. So tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you joined the Mighty Load Smart. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Dayton, Ohio. That was pretty much most of my childhood, young adult life. We moved to Colorado actually for a, a small amount of time. But yeah, Ohio was kind of the spot for me. Have a lot of, you know, attachment emotionally there. It's just a great spot. I love going back, even though, you know, you don't you don't necessarily hear that. And I feel like Ohio is a butt of a lot of jokes, as is a lot of Midwest locations. But I loved it. Yeah, yeah. we're the flyover states, we don't get any respect. And I'll tell you, if you come here... To the well, first off, you guys have Cedar Point, which, by the way, makes every other <laughs> every other amusement park look it's silly, big time. Yeah. And yeah, my my nephew is just down there, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is better than Disney." I'm like, "Yeah, of course it is." <laughs> and yeah. uh, 
Yeah, I mean, and it's such a beautiful state. People just look at it as oh, just more farms, more yeah. more industrial stuff and farms. But it is a beautiful state. No, it's great. Except for those Buckeyes. God darn it. I know. Michigan has the bodies of water. You guys are a little bit more flashy. But no, it it, it was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's that's what everyone thinks when they think of Michigan. Yeah, what a yeah, flashy, flashy state. Yeah. <laughs> so, so where'd you go to school? Yeah, I, I ended up going to school at Duke in Durham, North Carolina. Wow. Yeah, yeah. My my family Must be a good student. I I tried in high school. You know, it was important. My my older brother actually also attended Duke. My other older brother went to I I come from a big family of five kids. Um that's also kind of the Ohio way, right? And yeah, one of my brothers went to Duke, the other went to Miami, Ohio. And so I just visited there when I was like in eighth grade. Great and was schools. Like, oh yeah, they were great. And I just fell in love got to go to like a Duke basketball game. And once I ended up there, I studied economics, uh, got like a bachelor of science in economics. And actually the other notable highlight from my time, just because it's a little bit uh, different, is I was actually basketball manager for the Duke men's basketball team. So, whoa. Yeah, I had four years with Coach K. Actually, this is not intentional. Do you have a ring? Look at it right there. Oh, man. Hold that. So what, what, what year were the championship ring It's the for? 2015 championship trophy. I don't get the chance to break it out. I never wear it because when you're a manager, you know, it's not, not too exciting to be like, hey, I was a manager. But it's still pretty cool. That is a fantastic. That's a fantastic story because I always think um, anybody who's part of athletics, even in high school, you really have to start be good at time management but i also oh, think yeah. you learn to grind you learn to fight and i think you also learn to win and lose you know and uh and you start to hate to lose especially if you're a duke <laughs> i don't even know if you guys did you lose any games that year we lost we lost plenty yeah and those ones i probably remember more than the wins right because you get to see uh the goat as the many call him just blow the heck up oh yeah imagine you didn't see him behind, you didn't see him behind the microphone you saw him in the locker room going crazy oh yeah but no so that was a super awesome experience you know it like you said i basically was a full-time job if not more than that right and i got to meet awesome people really learn how to carry myself professionally you know he he likes the military comes from that background so i think Coach it instilled K. a lot of yeah Coach K, I always just assume everyone knows this deity uh, is how we saw him. If you know, if you know basketball, you know Coach K. Exactly. I'm not even a huge basketball fan, but I know Coach, yeah. Coach K. So, where'd you go after you got out of school? Yeah, after that, you know, economics degree. I didn't necessarily have something I was like super passionate, hungry to, you know, go pursue. So, kind of a natural when you're lucky enough to go to a nice school like that. My parents, you know, I was very fortunate. It's kind of a natural next step to try to go to an investment bank or, you know, do finance or consulting, kind of the big bulge bracket companies where you learn a lot early on right. and just like basically get, you know, grind to the bone. So I joined, I was lucky enough to get a job at JP Morgan in their investment banking group and leveraged finance or leveraged finance as the finance people say. But yeah, so we just raised, helped companies raise large amounts of debt, you know, bonds, loans to purchase other companies, to purchase plots of land, to you know, refinance their their financial structure and, you know, learned a ton about business. And the other only highlight I, I would mention that actually I did feel connected to the industry. You know, there's a lot of stuff I learned in terms of fundamentals of how to be a good, you know, business person that I've definitely carried with me. And, you know, a lot of analytical work that you do that has helped me, I think, kind of trampoline. But industry wise, leverage finance, it was often our job to write market updates, right? So, what's going on in the market, what's going on in the debt market, the equity market, the global economic, you know, movements that might shut down the financial markets that could 
make companies pay, you know, basis points different, which is so valuable to them. So once I got here and joined this industry and also was put in a position, which we'll talk about where, you know, market dynamics, supply and demand, pricing, both my education and economics, which I never, truthfully didn't really think I would leverage that much because it was kind of like a, you learn how to learn rather than you learn actual tangible things. They've both been wildly valuable, I think. By the way, I was uh, for a short time an econ major at school. And I remember the joke in the econ department was, you can explain why you're standing in the unemployment line to the other people in that line. <laughs> and, exactly. and that was always kind of our thought like it because it was a little theoretical. Totally. It's a good background to have, though, especially in, in, in supply chain, because everything is changing. Right. So when and why did you join LoadSmart? Because it seems like, man, a guy who went to Duke and then you're in at at JP Morgan, it seems like you're destined for that financial track. What what got you excited about this biz? Yeah, I don't think I caught the finance bug quite like some do. But so, you know, two years, three years in, you know, I'd kind of gotten to sink my teeth in a bit, nothing crazy. But you know, I started to say, okay, what's going to get me excited? What's going to get me passionate? I spoke to people who had left the industry to join startups, which is, you know, we do take for granted it now that it now that it's a down market. And you know, you know, you're kind of protecting your money a little bit more closely and all those types of things. You're not as maybe loose with decisions, or you're not quite as much of a risk taker. I think a lot of people right now, back then, it was kind of a no brainer, like, yeah, I'll, 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 you know, jump to a startup and see how it goes, you know, the market's hot, whatever. But I probably researched and learned about hundreds, truthfully, uh, different startup companies, spoke, tried to network, you know, leverage what I could. And LoadSmart came up time and time and again. I had a friend who actually, um, wow, why am I forgetting the name of the company? One of the leading digital, you know, brokerages or freight forwarders in the space. He worked there and actually like had heard about LoadSmart, gave me some guidance. I interviewed a different, multiple different companies and the combination of the role the industry that LoadSmart was in, because 2019, you know, early 2019, obviously it had picked up steam, I, I would say, for three, four years before that. But I think it was really catching momentum. People were really starting to understand how important supply chain and bringing technology into that space is. And yeah, the role, the people I met, the industry just kind of were all the perfect fit. And that's how I landed there. Very nice. Very nice. So you joined LoadSmart, and now we're going to talk about truckload pricing dynamics, which uh, sounds boring, but it is super, super interesting. And I'll tell you, you know, in in the market, you know, if you say this business of uh, pricing dynamics 10 years ago, it didn't mean anything. It just It's a dynamic market. The prices go up and down. And the only way you would ever know what the price was is because you had smart guys in the office. And guys, when I say smart guys, experienced guys, and you say, hey, what is it? What's what's the price from Atlanta to Chicago? And they would have a number. And was that we always hear the term tribal 100%. knowledge, tribal knowledge, tribal knowledge. I've heard it a million times in my podcast, but that's all we really had. And it, and it, by the way, it worked. It worked really well. People knew the market, but there was no freight waves. There was no instant information and there was nobody using artificial intelligence or machine learning. I, I, I joke about this sometimes, but two or three years ago, I said to a, a founder of a company something about AI and ML. He goes, oh, yeah, they just use it for chatbots. I go, <laughs> no. And he goes, it's just used for chatbots. I go, no, it is so much more than that now. And that he wasn't he wasn't wrong. That was maybe the, the consensus opinion. But industry leaders like LoadSmart 
who came really with the idea that this is an industry that is going to be disrupted. It wasn't people from inside the industry necessarily. It was people saying, this industry needs a little shaking up. Absolutely. (laughs) So we wanted to first talk about what is dynamic pricing. Explain what that is, because I don't think everybody gets that. Start with the basics. I'm sure some of your listeners, you know, like you said, have heard it a few different times. But so for LoadSmart, just to clear the air, I can confirm I've seen the models. I, I don't write the code, but I can confirm it is, you know, technically AI machine learning. So not just buzzwords. Not just not a chatbot that tells you something. No, no, I, I do. <laughs> like I said, just shortly before this, though, right, when I was looking up companies to join, probably 95% dropped in AI, you know, at some point. So it's certainly a buzzword. But anyway, yeah, dynamic pricing at LoadSmart, what does that mean? Well, our first bread and butter, the the first thing that Ricardo and Felipe set out to do was was like, okay, you know, no brainer, let's make an instant bookable rate. How in a freight market where you have a load and you don't have it moving on a carrier yet, do you get a bookable rate? Will you have to predict, you know, in the future, what, if you're a broker, what are you going to pay the carrier once you now have that load from the shipper? So that was the first thing was, okay, let's build a, a machine learning, artificially intelligent pricing model that can consume data and learn as LoadSmart gets more and more freight, pull data from other external sources and price loads that you're going to be negotiating with the carrier in the future. And obviously that you know took off. Bookable rates are now very common across a lot of companies similar to LoadSmart or within the space. And what that also, you know, kind of the, the second part of that, that I think we'll talk about in a few different of our conversation topics is once we had an instant bookable rate that was priced based on a constantly learning algorithm, you could also start to integrate with shippers TMSs, where all of a sudden you get access to all of their spot business, or their business that falls out of routing guides, and you can instantly price quotes, shippers can then scale their ability to move shipments with brokers much quicker, they can decide, you know, automatically book the cheapest one, things like that. So that's kind of where we started. And obviously, that's taken off in a lot of ways. And We can talk about some more, but overall, the core is a machine learning algorithm that attempts to price a load in the future. Right. I'm I'm by no means an expert in machine learning or artificial intelligence, but I have read some books. And one of the things I find very interesting is what you need is you need computing power. We didn't always have that computing power. So you need computing power. That's the first element you need. You need an algorithm that can do some analysis for you, right? And then, and I don't know how to write that algorithm, but I know how to say it now. And then last but not least, you need tons of data. It's not good enough to have 100, 100 loads that went from one point to another point. You need thousands of loads. And a lot of people buy external data. Big companies like LoadSmart has so much so much information. I don't know if you guys would even have to go outside. But that information, when you think about it, was always in files, maybe in drawers. I mean, when I say files, I mean, I mean, the paper. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it might have been in an Excel sheet. And before that, it might have been in a drawer in a, an actual desk. And so we never had that information. And now we have the computing power. We know how to the, create these algorithms. And I think the world gets smarter and part about that, smarter and smarter. And then last but not least, we have just tons of data. And companies like LoadSmart has enough business as a billion dollar company that that is not an issue you have the lanes so that instant price is compared to what when i still ran a little 3pl we would um someone would call and say joe i need that i need a price for atlanta to dallas and i'd say yeah we'll get right back to you 
And we were usually pretty good. We'd call a carrier, we'd call two or three carriers and get a few prices and then and then uh, go with the lowest price and add money to it. That was it. But that was a, a lot of back and forth. And did I give you the best rate? The best rate that we could get in 10 minutes, right? And for some loads, it was, we can't find anybody who'll give us a price. No one wants that lane. And so all that back and forth, which was emails or phone calls or both, very unproductive. And so what you guys are able to do now, when I say, I want uh, Chicago to Atlanta, you go, boom. And it's a buy now, right? Right. And yeah, you, you, we accept and anytime someone quotes a spot rate, you know, ever since we first developed this, even when admittedly, right, our pricing algorithm was worse. Like you said, you do need data. So we did take a risk six years ago when we were showing instantly bookable spot rates where sometimes our you our got best burned guess, sometimes. Oh, yeah, 100 <laughs> percent. But it's funny. And I, I don't want to offend people who've been in freight a long time. I'm still learning a ton. I've really enjoyed being in freight and logistics and, and tech, of course, at LoadSmart. But one thing that our co-founders said they would often joke about with investors because, you know, LoadSmart's pricing capabilities has helped us have helped us scale in a lot of different ways and have really differentiated us. So they'll refer to my team and also the engineers who built the algorithm as well, because I kind of work together with them on the business facing side, which I know I didn't talk as much about, but they will often basically their line that I've I've heard them say is, you know, our pricing, our head of pricing doesn't know what it costs to move a load from Chicago to Atlanta, right? Like you keep saying, you have those people who you <laughs> right. hop on the phone. You don't have tribal yeah. knowledge. Yep. <laughs> right. So I'm just some finance guy who's pretty good with numbers and understanding systems and things like that. Whereas I, at any given time, maybe my models will know all these very niche specific markets and rates, but I won't know anything, right? Yeah. But you know, it's it's interesting that this is the nature of machines. So right now I could say, I, I know you're smart. If I gave you a, a math problem and say, hey, could you do 852 times? Love? You could do it manually, but you're going to do it on your your calculator or your phone. I mean, that's so we, you can go the old school. Somebody within LoadSmart can go old school, but why at this point? So wait, before we leave this dynamic pricing, yeah. is is your dynamic pricing model, is it alive? I need to know because Google has a live, <laughs> a live AI or machine learning model. You know, I know we can, <laughs> we can legally attach AI to the model. I don't know if it's alive. I don't know if it's become sentient or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and it's going to want days. You're going to be screwed when it says, "I want, I want, I want the day before Fourth of July off." <laughs> right, right. The other element of this, right, is so as we began to expand and get a lot more data, and just to wrap up on the kind of instant pricing, dynamic pricing side of things, right, is something that then. So we talked about the integrations. That was a huge piece. We talked about the automated book bookable rates right away because you're predicting a rate in the future. Uh, something else that we started to develop that I think is truly going to be in the future of this industry, you know, whether it's across all digital freight brokerages or the consolidation that you and I were talking about earlier is, you know, we actually have a system now where, okay, a load is instantaneously priced without any human interaction. The customer can book it without any human interaction. We then have a booked load now in our system. It can get scheduled almost entirely automatically. I think there might still be a little bit of human interaction. Like you, I've also heard you say on other podcasts, there's always got to be some human interaction, especially without difficult the exceptions, freight is. yeah. But, you know, let's say scheduling is almost perfectly autonomous and can be, especially if it's a repeatable load. That I know for sure. Once then it's scheduled, we can automatically post to a load board, you know, generate a rate again on the backside. So we call it shipper pricing, which was LoadSmart's first niche, which is where you generate 
this machine learning model to now we have a machine learning model on the other side too that will post you know the rates that we think a carrier would take you know to try to eliminate the classic phone and faxing and back and forth and the chatting and then then all of a sudden you've got a load getting quoted booked scheduled and sourced with a carrier booked with a carrier. i know people use different terms without any any touching or you know there still is a lot of negotiation and carriers like the human interaction but those who don't or we're going to talk a little bit later about those who actually will integrate with us you know can book freight without just with the click of a button which is pretty cool what you're doing in all that is you're reducing the cost per load with using automation, using yep. tech. And you're not saying to the carrier, will you accept this? Will you, will you take $100 less so I can make some money? <laughs> right? You're not t- saying to the shipper that the carrier wants an extra $100 this week. It's all kind of done automatically. And all of those conversations don't have to happen. All of those back and forth emails, and which lead to so much miscommunication. I remember, and I know it's still an issue for many companies is, conversations on the phone or even emails don't end up in the TMS. And and then when the invoice comes, you go, oh, no, no, John John told me that it would be right. $100 more, not $200 more. It's time, and it's you, money, <laughs> and you can't track that data, right? Like you lose it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think a lot of companies like yours are taking the cost of the load out. Not not asking the shipper to make less, not asking the, sh- I mean, not asking the shipper to, pay more or the carrier to take less, you're saying we're going to reduce our costs. Right. Yeah. We, we, we don't then we don't have any sort of baked in structure that, you know, adds in margin because we're, you know, that's not at all part of. Yeah. Which speaking of which, let's talk about the next topic, which is reliable contracts. What the heck is a reliable contract? Honestly, it's lovely that you should ask because I talk a lot about it. I think a lot about it. Uh, and I know a few different market leaders in the space do as well. So reliable contracts, it is LoadSmart's dynamic pricing contract solution that has a lot of different terms that could maybe make it more digestible to some. It has elements that are like a cost plus solution, which I know is a buzzword that might mean something to some people. But to very try to simply explain what its purpose is, is right. We pushed, we've been developing something like this for maybe four years, uh, maybe four plus and it's taken a long time to refine, right? A lot of shippers have different preferences. I won't, we'll maybe go into some of that stuff later. But to try to summarize its its model, it's it's okay. Market heated up dramatically in 2020 post-COVID. We all know those crazy charts that show rejections, rates, things like that, right? Shippers, who was our main focus at the time, all of a sudden have 25% tender rejections across the whole country. That makes them go to the spot market and overpay instead of, you know, rely on their good contracts because all the carriers are going to move loads on the spot market and make way more. It causes them to go out to rebid. It causes the cycle of detrust, uh, distrust, and then the market comes down like it has over the past five months. And all of a sudden, all these shippers are like breaking the contracts on their end, right? They're trying to go save money on the spot market. So this cycle of the static contract in this freight world, that's such a dynamic pricing environment and really is cyclical right and it'll snap on the you know click of a button whatever very quickly this solution is attempted to say hey shipper here's a solution that loadsmart can provide you that will show you full transparency so you'll see every single load we move you'll see the the price we pay to carry you'll see the margin we're adding on top of that we have an incentive structure so that you know, we actually only make more margin when our cost goes down so that we're not incentivized, you know, improperly like the normal freight market. 
And yeah, it's a floating contract solution that I, we can get more into specifics, but it's a dynamic floating cost plus, whatever you want to call it, contract solution that allows you to ride the market down and save money. Or when the market's heating up, you know, you can put in different thresholds that prevent you from paying too much, but it allows you to have 100% PTA, which is very valuable to a lot of shippers and a lot of types of freight. And what is PTA? Primary tender acceptance. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mention that. But right, so the 25% PTA, I'm saying one out of every four contract tenders that shippers would send to their brokers or carriers were getting rejected. So PTA was very low. Yeah. Right. And so this is this kind of puts some guardrails on the whole thing. And I like I like the idea. And we talked a, l- a lot before we hit record on yep. uh, today. Is you know the prices do go up and down. We we are in a market, and but we should be aligned. Yeah. The, my my suppliers and LoadSmart's a supplier to a lot of shippers. You should be aligned with them. You shouldn't be killing it because gas prices went up and you go, cool, we're we're adding a lot of more, we're adding a lot more, we're making a lot more because gas prices went up or rates went up and now we're killing it. It's kind of a double whammy when you think about a shipper who says, God, rates skyrocketed. And then the the cost per load also skyrocketed. Why? Well, I mean, especially when you have technology in the middle. You go, did your cost go up because the rates went up? No. And and what you're talking about is alignment. And we, we're talking about the old way, the freight brokerage way, um, kind of we'll say pre-tech, where somebody gets that $1,000 margin on a load and they go bang a gong or a siren goes off. And, exactly. you know, they're doing their, they're doing their end zone dance in the middle of the uh, bullpen. And I just I was just joking about it. Imagine you're a shipper walking through that room right. and you go, hey, what's going on? What are those those dudes dancing for oh that's their uh thousand dollar dance <laughs> you're like whoa 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 wait a sec <laughs> wait a sec we've we've even gone so far right as like you know shippers are smart they know how margin adjustments work and they they w- really like to get into the weeds and we have something specific right so it's like let's say we say hey we'll never take more than 10 percent margin which we already argue is more competitive than you know a lot of the historical brokers that do 15 20 percent right if that's already you know kind of a sign of hey we're not just trying to reduce load smart risk and that's it this is supposed to be a solution that we really think is the future of this market so we've also said hey 10 percent sure but there's a dollar amount cap on that, right? So that 10% on a six grand load, we're not walking away with 600, right? So we will cap right. it at a reasonable. So we're really trying to, yeah, take away that gong, not show the shippers, hey, here's how much we're making. We can make this a cycle of trust on your difficult lanes, on your high volume volatile lanes that you know are going to snap back and forth with pricing. You know, you're going to have difficulties sourcing them. And you know that they're really important, right? What if you have low lead time freight or stuff that has to get delivered on time? This is the solution where you can guarantee in any market, you know, you will, you'll be protected. Yeah. And again, it's alignment. I don't ever want to, I never, if I'm a shipper, I don't want to ever hear that my broker doesn't make money. And some people, they, oh, that is an old school mentality is, oh, great. I got them because they got me last time. I, no, I want you guys to make money, right. but I don't want you to make crazy money at my expense. I want us to be aligned. And you, you mentioned, it reminds me of the De Niro and Meet the parents with a circle of trust. <laughs> and, Great movie. Uh, yes, exactly. So, so how do these? So the reliable contracts. How does that work in relation to dynamic pricing? So if the pricing model says that should be eighteen hundred dollars, how does your how does that relate to the reliable contract? Is yeah, I'll, I'll try to 
break it down a little more specifically because I know I kind of was all over the place in the in the intro. It's hard because I I'm so passionate. I want to talk about like every little element. But no, so the spot, the instant spot pricing, you know, to be clear, is for spot loads, for spot freight, for last minute needs, for you know, typical spot freight. The reliable contracts, it is meant to be for contracted freight, right? It could also, I guess, be for, but it, it really is intended to be for lanes that you would, you know, you know, you have volumes ahead of time. You want to contract contract them out so that you have a consistent carrier base on a specific lane or a certain origin location, things like that. And in this case, you know, there isn't any AI predictive model that is occurring when when a customer participates in reliable contracts, except for the fact that we show them, hey, here is what our model is predicting you will likely pay. But we don't want to tell the shipper, hey, this is our predictive rate and that's what you're going to pay because they might not trust that, right? They the predictive rate. And I'll be honest, right? There are certain lanes we miss as much as plus 10, plus 15 percent. It happens that you can't predict the rate uh, freight market perfectly. So we don't want shippers to have to rely on that. We want shippers to rely on, hey, here's actually what we paid a carrier. Here's a competitive markup structure that's based on if we're buying well or not. So that's kind of how that works. Yeah. Yep. And And it reminds me, there was maybe a year or so ago, a big debate on LinkedIn, very heated debate among some of the industry titans. And the and a lot of people, you know, that Chicago model was we bought truckload capacity and then I gave you this this price and I'm gonna hold it no matter what. Well, as the rates skyrocketed, we'll say right after COVID, if you had to hold those rates, you would lose money hand over fist if you had to pay carriers, you know, way more than what you could possibly make. And and again, that's a little bit of the I, I if I as a shipper, I don't think I want that. I don't want to drive my carriers or my brokers out of business. There'll be a frustrated service falls, you know, yeah, it, it, it isn't scalable. Yeah. And it's, I think also when you start to say you're going to reduce margins, like you guys are doing across the board, you're reducing the cost per load. If you throw in, I'm also going to hold you to a, a rate that's, that is no longer achievable. How are we being good partners? You know, that, that I, I want to be in the circle of trust. Right, right. That's truthfully, <laughs> I think it, on our marketing materials, I think it's like break the cycle of distrust. We Yeah, maybe I should just put a picture of Meet the Fox or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, we talked a little bit about dynamic pricing. We talked about reliable contracts. There's another topic we wanted to touch on today, which was the network effect. What do you mean by the network effect? Yeah, uh, thank you for asking that as well. So you know, I, I mentioned this beforehand, but to, to repeat myself, when I joined LoadSmart and I was reading about these different companies that are similar to LoadSmart, you know, technology platforms, also digital freight brokerages that are bringing data to this industry. The, the biggest pitch that I felt like I heard from every company that had, you know, job openings or just when I was researching the industry, it was always once we bring big data to this, you know, massive $800 billion plus industry, we're going to create all these network efficiencies. There's going to be network matching and carriers will never drive without loads. Uh, empty miles will be eradicated. And, you know, there's all these wonderful pitch. What we found, right, is I think you and I spoke a bit about it. Like that's just being really good with data or having 500 engineers who can build the best models in the world. Even if you try to purchase data, you know, you can't really get enough data right at the onset to really make a difference, you know, to do this network matching that we're all talking about. 
And we found both on the demand side, but also the capacity side, which we'll talk about. So when I say the network effect, I'm referring to, okay, LoadSmart now for four plus, five plus years has been integrated with some of the largest shippers in the country, most of the largest shippers in the country, seeing you know, every day thousands and thousands of spot loads that they need moved. Then we're also collecting weekly you know, 30 RFPs a week with network data. We're storing all of that in a scalable, clean, clear way, having all the documentation on all the lanes, who do they pertain to, what's the facility information, you know, all that, right? So you've got all this demand data that we now have really stored up and continue to store and refresh and update on its own, right? That didn't used to be possibility. Then we've got kind of the next stage of this that I don't think, that I think LoadSmart missed earlier on and has now scaled dramatically and has been a big focus the past couple of years is the capacity data side of things. So similar to a lot of our competitors in the space, right? We have access to hundreds of thousands of carriers and store data on them all the time. But in terms of actual capacity, like can a truck move this load at this point in time? Or could they move this type of load? Could they, is it drop? Is it not drop? Is it live? You know, equipment type, all these things. You need really good data and you need integrations on both sides. So now over the past two, three years, we've actually been integrating on the capacity side as well. And we actually do have enough data, I think, to create the network effect, which is reduce empty miles for private fleets who have these big networks and need it matched with our demand network that we can do autonomously. And then also drive lower costs for our shippers by getting them on the lowest cost carrier, right? So that's the the kind of summary. And there's there's some more there and some integrated capacity that I want to talk about. But yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, when I was still in the at a 3PL, I remember talking to some carriers and they're small owner operators and I won't mention the name, but I think you can fill in the blank large broker. These guys were complaining to me that they were kept busy all day, every day from one broker. They had like two or three trucks and they would say, I make no money on those lanes, but like we're always busy. And it became kind of almost like um, addiction where they were like, uh, at least it's it, it's keeping my trucks moving. I'm making money. I've got cash flow, but I can never find any good profitable. Sh- and they would always say, I want good shipper freight. And what they really were saying is the broker's taking all the money out of it. And and at that time, we talked about developing carrier networks. Only in the last, I don't know, five years or so, have I heard anybody say carrier sales. I remember when somebody said it to me one time, they go, that's our carrier sales team. I was like, Oh, you sell carriers here? Yeah. Like, no, like we're developing a network. I was like, oh, I, I, okay. I just called that like a carrier network. But I think, you know, you guys are in a unique position in that you have two customers. If a carrier should align themselves load smart, they're saying, John, go get me really good business. Help me grow my biz. If you don't, I will find somebody who will help me grow my business. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think we had, you know, I think we've all been through this thing where you say, I'm calling the shipper and see if they'll take less after they've already agreed, like, yeah, I'll do it. But right. now I'm getting, now I'm hardly making any money so you can take more home. And none of it felt fair to a lot of those guys. No, absolutely not. Yeah. So yeah, I think there's two sides of it with the capacity data or maybe even three. So one one thing that we've done in terms of capacity data, capacity network, as you say, is, of course, you know, a, a basic pitch with LoadSmart uh, and our technology and the data we're collecting. 
with every load we move with a carrier, we are building a carrier network. It's stored, it's clean, you refresh it. You actually also, if we have, you know, reps talking to carriers, we update that data. So it's, it's there. So that's one carrier network that we want to store. But then there's the integrated capacity piece that I mentioned I wanted to just touch on, which is, you know, with some of these private fleets that are with some of these uh, that are segments of these large shippers, you know, Walmart, for example, has a big private fleet. These types of shippers and their private fleets are going to actually have technology, we think, especially more in the future. And we know a few that do now. So there's a large e-commerce provider that I can't say their name because I don't think we've officially marketed it yet. And I think we're planning to do some sort of big release, but you know, where they have a massive amount of trucks dedicated in their fleet. They have a ton of empty miles and they're not a brokerage. They're new to this. They want to deploy those trucks. They want to get loads moving on those trucks. They need to see into a demand network like we can provide them. And on top of that, they actually can integrate with our APIs, right? So we ping them when we have a load that matches, they give us an instant price. It's bookable. Talk about cost per load, right? That's just pure cost per load efficiencies. We just quote it, ping it to them. They ping it back to us and send them the load. And, and that's been really exciting. We've It's taken off over the past six to 10 months. And you know I, I think that's where we're more scalable is really bringing that network matching, creating this marketplace where we're not just trying to broker and take these margins like you're talking about and optimize all these numbers and ring the gong. We're just trying to connect you know, with our platform. So Right. I think I, I I know it's already been announced. So you guys can say this because I talked to you guys about it for your Home Depot. Yeah, that's another solution. One. So you're working with Home Depot. You're working with Home Depot to, to help them reduce their empty miles because they don't have what you have. <laughs> so you can see. So, so you can help fill them up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, their flatbed network is where we started, right? Because I think that's where they have trouble filling loads because flatbed business is just a little bit more niche, right? But there's a huge need for it. Oh, absolutely. That's been one of those integrated capacity pieces separate from this large e-commerce provider, right? But Home Depot's was kind of the foundation of this program. And since then, we built off it and we've learned, okay, here's what you need to know from the capacity side of things. What do they really need to match with a demand load? Because that's the last piece I'll say on this, right? Is I think I put in my notes, this network effect is so much harder than it sounds. And I think you've got a lot of the incumbent people who've been in freight logistics. I think they they feel this a lot where it, you can't just snap your fingers and connect a load with a, a carrier with a load, right? Like no, the I amount don't. of need <laughs> that each party need, like requires. So no matter how good their data is, like it has to be really good and really trustworthy where you can automatically connect to them and move. So I think that's been a learning process and and we've come a long way. Yep. And, you know, before we hit record today, we talked about, I think there's 17,000 freight brokers. Now, very few relative, uh, probably a few dozen are using dynamic pricing. And, you know, we, we've gotten to a place of the haves and the have nots in this business. And I know some people would say we we do just fine for our customers. But as companies like LoadSmart continue to lower the cost per load, they have an advantage you're not the only ones, but we're one of them. And we saw it said that there's not going to be 17,000 freight brokers in 10, 15 years. There's going to be a lot fewer. And what that means is that network effect will continue. And so if whatever you guys are a billion dollar company now, when you're a $10 billion company, imagine how much data you will have on this industry. And, and what that means is when I've got a carrier who just you know who trusted me with their business? I'll be able to say you drop off there and then you go next door and pick up. Not, hey, 
I'll look and I'll call you. I'll call you in a few hours if I can find you something. Oh, you just got to drive. You got to drive by 40 miles out of your way for free and then pick up. And that's going to be better for the business. It's going to be better for the environment. It's going to be better for drivers. Everybody, everybody will benefit when we get to that place. And again, that's why the network effect is so important. So that's what we're here for. Let me summarize this the best I can. And then I want to get your final thoughts on this topic. So yeah. Talking to John Payne, and we're talking about truckload pricing dynamics. And we talked about really three big areas. So versus dynamic pricing. And again, you, you're you you're using it, which you guys have the data. You have so much data now because of the size of your company. And again, I, I say many times we've talked about dynamic pricing on my podcast. If you don't, if you don't have it, you're going to have it. <laughs> and uh, I think there's companies that are out there. I'm guessing there's probably a dozen or so, a couple dozen. I don't know how many are actually using it. But when you have a big company like LoadSmart, you obviously have very good dynamic pricing. Then we talked about this idea of reliable contracts, which is really aligning you, you guys to the shipper. So you're not having that one of those win-lose days. It's always win-win. And it's showing transparency. It's, it's showing basically market leadership is we're going to we're gonna we're gonna be that partner you can trust. And then we just talked about the network effect, which is as you get bigger and bigger and more data, the the value for the entire ecosystem just continues to grow. So final thoughts there, John. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I said at the start I was humbled to be on this, uh, and I mean it because I've I've listened to a lot of the podcasts. You. You, know, you you got some big dogs on here. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not gonna You're one of them. Yeah, I like to think so, but I'm not going to try to bluff and say I've been in logistics, you know, 15 plus years. I, I've gotten to work with a lot of people who do. So, you know, my time at LoadSmart, you know, three and a half plus has been, you know, incredible because it's a great company, but also it it's actually, I think, stirred a passion within me, right? Like being someone who cares about data, who realizes the importance of logistics in general, especially, you know, that I've lived now through the pandemic and how important all of this and how quick everyone wants everything, right? All these things. So I, I I wouldn't have ever thought when I left finance that I was like, yeah, this is the the industry for me, the career for me, logistics, tech, you know, all these things. But after realizing the importance being a part of this wonderful company and our mission statement, right, which is to become this leading platform in this freight space tech uh, logistics world, and then eventually, you know, become a leading provider, just the leading provider for all freight services. I feel like it's the place to be, you know, and I think LoadSmart is is the one who can do it, like we said, with the data, with the instant pricing, and then with also just trying to think, how can we benefit the shippers? How do we make this a sustainable solution that really is going to be the future? Because we're not focused on how do we quickly make a, an extra buck, you know, we're focused on how do we create the future of freight where it's truly a platform-based marketplace and you're benefiting all parties with the the efficiencies. So, yep. I will say this, you know, you mentioned you're not a, an old freight hand, but what's interesting about it, guys like you, 10, 15 years ago, there's no way you w- would end up in the logistics business. Right. You right, don't go right. to Duke and take and learn econ and go into work at Goldman and go, I'm going to go because there was no tech startups to join. And Felipe and Ricardo, they wouldn't have been in this business 15 years ago. And I, I talk to a lot of technology guys on this podcast. And what's interesting about those guys is they talk about total addressable market, which is VC terms. They yeah. talk about technology. And 
I think over time we're becoming this hybrid where there's going to be for sure. I know LoadSmart's got lots of techies, but you were more and more of the logistics guys who you know been there, done that, got the hat in the logistics side. But we're going to end up being a hybrid. It's not going to it's not going to be all tech, and it's not going to be all I. I've been doing this since 1972. That there's, right. there's, we need that hybrid. And again, I think as companies grow, that just becomes inevitable that they're going to have that. So anyway, let's wrap this bad boy up. So who is the sweet spot for LoadSmart? Who do you guys serve? I, you know, I, I don't think I could attribute it to just one, but I would say shippers and carriers, right? We're trying to connect the two. We're trying to drive efficiencies, attain the network effect. So we're trying to fill your trucks, you know, empty capacity whenever you have it and be somewhere that you know you can trust and always find demand with. And then on the shipper side, we're here to service your freight, scale, you know, with technology, make your life easier, show you lower prices, you know, help you book the freight that, you know, is really the best for your network. And yeah, and lastly I'd say we're we're here to service the industry because we're here to bring digitization to it in a scalable way. And, you know, we're not we're excited by other entrants in this space, right? We want to work together. We want to data share. We want to grow this platform marketplace together. And uh, so I'd say that's what we're here to do. Right. So when I think of like, you mentioned you guys will connect to somebody TMS. So if you're working with, a, let's say a large shipper, and again, you mentioned like a you know big retailer, you guys would just actually connect all of your system I'm assuming through APIs and other stuff to their transportation management system. Now you do that. Do you also integrate that same way with carriers? Yes. So yeah, we integrate, you know, with any shippers TMS, uh, I think pretty much every leading TMS, we have a pretty instantaneous integration ability. So there's not this long drawn out process. You don't need training, anything like that. And that's, you know, something we benefit from, from having done this for a long time, I think like six plus years. So yeah, we integrate on the shipper side and then we can integrate on the carrier side as well. And if they have, you know, a TMS that actually enables an integration, we do that. Uh, But of course we can operate with you as a normal carrier, you know, regardless of your tech. So what if somebody says, yeah, we, we do a lot. We we don't have our own TMS. Do you guys bring a TMS to the party? You know, it's funny. We actually acquired a company named Camion. Oh yeah. 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 I think you can read it more about on our on our website, you know, and I didn't touch on that when you asked who do we serve, I would say the only other thing is we do have two yeah, or three arguably SaaS solutions, one of which is a, a straight up carrier TMS, which is called Camion. So we are onboarding carriers if they would like a TMS basically, right, to manage their freight, dispatch, fill their empty trucks, things like that. So we do provide that solution. And then OpenDoc is one of our other uh, SaaS solutions that, you know, warehouse scheduling that's been an incredible add to the business. Yeah. So we serve those people as well. Yeah, actually, I talked to the Open Doc guys on the podcast. So, oh, amazing! Yeah, it was. It, so, you guys are bringing like a suite of solutions now, which I think just is telling where you're coming from, and you're not. Um, and you know, it's it's an interesting business because you have some. I was talking to a trucking company this morning. They had, you know, operating centers or terminals, and they buy more trucks. And you go, this is great. This is what the industry needs. But the industry also needs exactly what you guys are doing, which is I'm going to, we're going to continue to grow in the technology as people need it. And doc scheduling is super important. And uh, <laughs> if you think not, that's because you haven't experienced a you bad You haven't doc. dealt with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I heard actually Drew McElroy. I think, I think he said like, you know, I, 
when I was 16 or something, I, I learned what it was like to deal with a Walmart facility or something like that. Like, Yep. Yep. And it's funny because I remember delivering, and it's one of the big automotive companies here in the Detroit area. It would be so ridiculous. I would get drivers who would go, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm taking this. I'm, I'll call you tomorrow. I don't know where I'm going. I'm like, no, 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 please unload. Stay, stay and unload. They're like, no. I'm like, oh, horrible, horrible. Anyway, what conference are you guys heading to? Do you go to all the conferences, I'm assuming? Yeah, I think the next big Freight Waves one will be there. And I'm actually trying to go to a few of them as well. We were just at Gartner and a few others. I think either you or JD told me you guys had a new white paper. So I'll put a link to that white paper or case study or whatever. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Yes, we do. Yes, we have. We just released a couple of links trying to educate the industry on the reliable contract solution. And those should be available on our website and our blog as well. I think we discuss it. So what I'll do is I will put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to LoadSmart and any other links that uh, your marketing team gives me. I will put in the show notes so people can reach out and talk to you guys. And John, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been wonderful, Joe. It was really great meeting you and uh, enjoyed chatting. Thank you. Thank you. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.